Welcome to the Emerge Thriving Podcast, wellness designed for real life. In these conversations, we focus on topics that impact our everyday lives. Forgiveness, self-worth, resiliency, embracing self-care, the power of nutrition, and so much more. Life isn't always easy, but together we can take steps towards a thriving life. Today, we're talking about how to manage stress and sleep through nutrition. Jessica Green, holistic health coach, founder of Jessica Green Wellness and creator of the podcast Detox for Vibrant Health, is joining us to explore harnessing the power of nutrition to manage the stresses of everyday life. Thank you for being with us, Jessica. We're so glad to have you. Before we get started, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Well, first off, Amy, thanks for inviting me. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. As Amy mentioned, I'm a holistic health coach and also more recently an integrative health practitioner. My passion is really helping to rebalance bodies so that you have the energy that you want, you have the mood that you want, and just the life that you want, right? There's a lot of things that can really stop people from living this wonderful, healthy, vibrant life. A lot of it has to do with uh, these underlying issues. It could be more too much stress, not enough sleep, uh, not the right diet for you. It could be a number of things. And I want to see everyone be as vibrant as humanly possible. Well, we all need it for sure. And one of the challenges I I feel like nutrition can be easy to overlook when life feels intense, our attention is pulled in various directions. And I'm personally, I'm far from perfect in my approach to my daily habits. But one thing I can't let slide is taking vitamins and herbal supplements. This has a huge impact on managing my anxiety and depression, as well as energy levels and my ability to sleep. I'm really excited for this opportunity to talk to you about Tapping in, into nutrition as a way to manage our stress and to get sleep, it's just, it's incredibly timely and so important for our overall sense of well-being. This year's brought many changes and stressors into our lives all at once, which has made caring for ourselves so crucial to restoring our bodies and to restoring our mind and our emotions and our spirit. Can you share with us how nutrition plays a role in reducing our overall sense of stress? This is really just so timely. I had an email earlier from a client. You know, they were just kind of wondering why we were starting out with diet. Maybe this person isn't really wanting to get into weight loss strategies, things of that sort, right? It's like, well, let me tell you, diet can really play a big role your anxiety levels and your ability to sleep. Like when you eat, it could also play a role in your ability to sleep. It could uh, change your mood. It could affect your mood. It could affect your energy, of course. Even if we're talking about diet initially, that's a piece, a big piece of the puzzle. It's not the only piece, of course. You know, there's lifestyle habits as well. A lot of people I find are really surprised what can happen when they make a few changes to their diet. Nutrition's had a huge impact in my life. I learned a lot about the connection between gut health and anxiety from joining your detox program. 
this past summer. It was, it was the commitment I needed to see a change in my body to choose those better practices and put them in place and be committed to doing that for a week. And it sounds so heavy, but it really wasn't as heavy as I thought. And then I could feel the difference as I continued those habits along and taking care of myself um, and watching what I was eating, adding a few different supplements. It just, it really created a better overall sense of well-being. And I noticed that my day-to-day anxiety levels or social anxiety was really reduced. And that really has kind of made me a lot more aware and a lot more invested in keeping that up. It's an important part of my life now. What are some simple things that we can focus on to help us restore nutritional balance in our bodies? Some of the the basic things just to start with that I I really love to, to share with people to get the ball rolling, asking the question, well, what does an ideal plate look like? This, you know, I I love getting the answers because inevitably they're right. They're absolutely right. It's kind of like we know innately what we should be eating more of and less of. Sometimes we just we just don't do it, right? We just don't do it because maybe we're just not in the habit buying so many, say, fruits and vegetables. Maybe we're not in the habit really simple but healthy meals. The detox had just a lot of really simple meals. You know, you could even batch cook some of them so that you have them for a couple of nights. I try to make it as simple as possible. Now, if you envision the plate that we're talking about is here's a plate, at least half of it, at least for dinner and, and also for lunch too, should really be heavy on the veggies. It should be like half veggies. You could throw in some fruit too, but I like to keep fruit a little separate, sort of like a snack. And then about a quarter of it could be a protein and it could be a vegan protein. It could be an animal protein, just so long as it works with your body. Another quarter of it could be uh, carbs. And I'm not talking refined carbs, right? I'm talking about, and, and here's the thing, and I will add to this. I would recommend definitely testing out going gluten-free because gluten has quite an impact on our brain, or it can. It can, for many people, impact our mood, impact our anxiety. It also impacts our gut too, but there's a big gut-brain connection that it's becoming more and more apparent in research how those two are connected. My purposes and for the purposes of folks going through various programs, we like to stick with, you know, maybe root vegetables or it could be whole grains. It could could be cooked rice. It could be rice. It could be buckwheat. It could be oats. It could be any kind of gluten-free grain, millet, you name it, right? Just pay attention to what your body is telling you as you're eating it. One of the things that I really recommend is if you're going to do a food journal, be sure to add mood in there too. Mood, energy levels. Are you feeling down? Are you feeling depressed? Are you feeling happy and energetic? What, what's going on in your body after you eat this food? Check it for like an hour after what happens the next day because some things can have a reaction like 24 hours later, even up to 48 hours later. That's a really basic, good starting point. Take out the gluten, at least for a minimum of three weeks. It's kind of like a basic elimination diet. The other thing that also helps a lot of people 
not everyone, but it can help a lot of people is ditching dairy for now, right? Especially cow dairy is very reactive for people. Goat dairy, on the other hand, tends to not be very reactive, but it's hard to tell sometimes if we just eat so much dairy, we can't let our body calm the inflammation before we test the food out. So take out gluten, take out dairy, load up on fruits and veggies and whole grains and carbs, gluten-free grains and carbs and proteins that are clean, not talking processed proteins. Don't get, you know, meat-like substances that are glued together with pink slime. Eliminate that. Stick with it as close to the natural source as possible. And then see what happens after a few weeks. If I may, I'll also add in the caffeine. I know this was, this was kind of a tough one for the folks on the detox. Maybe halfway through the week, it's like, oh, I've got headaches and things like that. You could always do a withdrawal over time. It doesn't have to be all at once. But uh, caffeine can really impact our mood and it could affect our energy levels and it could affect our adrenals, right? Our adrenal system. And it causes blood sugar spikes as well. There's a little bit of um, a reaction going on when we imbibe caffeine. Those are kind of the heavy hitters in terms of being able to address like mood and stress and sleep. I really appreciate you sharing watch out for this because it can make you feel that because that's, I didn't know my body as well as maybe I thought I did or as well as I really needed to. You know, when we were working together over the summer and exploring this, then when you were sharing some of those some of those suggestions or some of those thoughts, then I did pay attention. Then I was paying attention to how do I feel when I eat like dairy, for example. That's not something I ever really thought about. And then when I really started to pay attention to the difference between how I felt when I ate it and how I felt when I didn't, when I took a break from it, and then I could see my body kind of restoring itself like that, like you could tell like that the inflammation was really reducing. And then cutting back on sugar or other, you know, caffeine, things like that. And again, I'm not trying to make it sound like it's all just like this easy walk in the park. Sometimes it's, some days are easier. You're really enjoying the meal that you've prepared with the ingredients and it's delicious and it's great. And sometimes you're like, I really probably want to eat something. I I want to go get it a coffee. So it's, it's, that's like life, right? It's the ups and downs of, or the ebb and flow of life. But I could see just being able to see that difference helped me feel more connected to my body and more aware what I was doing to care for it and what the benefits were when I cared for it. Um, so I think those those prompts and there's the freedom for people to choose for themselves and to do that exploration, but just the prompts and the knowledge, the awareness can go a really long way, especially when you're in a situation where managing your stress feels really paramount. Sometimes these insights can really have a big impact over the long run. I agree. And thank you for bringing up a really important point. You, you mentioned how you became more aware of your body and how it was feeling with food. And raising awareness is really key here because without it, you know, you might just keep eating stuff that is causing problems. I think that there's a little bit of a tendency to give our power away when it comes to our own health. 
We are not cars that you take into the mechanic to get a tune-up. We are the masters of our body. We know the most things about our body, right? No doctor's appointment that lasts 10 minutes. That doctor is not going to know you. You know yourself the best. When you give yourself a chance to just experiment and take a break, and that's what this five-day detox was really all about. It was about experimenting, taking a break, just feeling a difference, and then asking the question, why? Because inevitably, you want to get down to the why. You know, Are you feeling more tired because of this? Are you feeling, and why, why might that be? Or are you starting to all of a sudden break out on your skin? Well, you know, it could just be your body detoxing, can detox through the skin too. It's not great, but coming out in the form of acne, it's just temporary and then it starts to go away. Being aware of your body, taking responsibility for your body and really owning, owning your health is so important. So that's an excellent observation. I also have a sensitive nervous system. So if I don't get enough deep sleep, it impacts my sensitivity to stress, sound, and light, which can cause migraines and other side effects. It can be acute and debilitating. So I'm very aware of the need to have deep, restful sleep. It's If I don't get it, I notice it right away when I wake up and then I have kind of a tough call to make. Can I get through the day like this? What can I do to restore my body? Because it's that much of an impact. What are some other common symptoms or side effects of not getting enough sleep or quality sleep? How can that impact us physically, mentally, and emotionally long-term? Somewhat recently, lack of sleep was considered just as bad or even worse as smoking. That's really big. That's a big, big thing. And I'll tell you a little bit why just in terms of biomechanics and all of that. Just for instance, we need that sleep. We need a good solid amount of sleep in order to just detox. That's like one piece. So if you're not sleeping very well, you're allowing endotoxins, cellular waste to build up in your brain because it's not able to detox. You need to be able to sleep in order for your brain to kind of, the glymphatic system in your brain gets flowing. In order to flow, it kind of needs your brain to be off. It kind of shrinks a little bit. Your brain shrinks just a little bit. It allows more space for the lymphatic fluid to flow and then to drain out through your mouth and your tonsil area. And then eventually in your lymphatic system, that's your waste system, right? When you have this buildup, waste in your brain, it could start to affect your mood and cognitive functions especially if there's a neurotoxins that have built up in there. Mostly, most toxins that are not cellular waste, a lot of toxins are blocked by the blood-brain barrier, but some of them can go through. So say if you've got a buildup of neurotoxins and heavy metals going on in your brain, you could start to see some neurological degeneration too. And that could come up in like memory issues, for instance. It's just one, one aspect of it. That's one big piece right there. And there have been a number of studies that show that if you don't get enough sleep, you do have memory issues, right? Just you're not converting uh, the short-term memories to long-term memory. So that's been something that's been researched. That's another easy thing to Google. Everything that I'm talking about is pretty Googleable. Then it affects that piece. 
But then just talk about the fatigue. If you're fatigued, if you don't feel well rested in the morning, of course, you're going to be cranky. I do have a little bit of a tip on that to get over the crankiness from lack of sleep. It'll just make you cranky. And then you might feel like kind of, you might feel a little bit like a victim for the day. That's a really hard thing to sometimes overcome. Yeah, you can really feel off your game, not really feel quite right, feel irritable. Things that maybe you wouldn't even have noticed or wouldn't have bothered you as much, suddenly they they feel like really big deals, you know? The noise, whether something's happening in a timely way or, or not, you know, whether you've forgotten something, left it behind, you know, like that kind of memory of forgetfulness or whatnot. And then the irritability, like it just kind of compounds. And that's just kind of the surface to what goes on if you don't, especially over a long term, if you're talking about people are not getting sleep over days or extended periods of time, which is why this plays heavily into the conversation of stress because stress can kind of cause that anxiety and sleeplessness and then it kind of just compounds. So what are some approaches we can take to set ourselves up for restorative sleep? Stress definitely plays a role in it. And there are certain components of stress. So one of the things that can really keep us from having that deep restorative sleep, going to bed, replaying a moment in our mind, it's rumination is what it's called, right? So if you think about during the day, maybe you had an incident with like a coworker, for instance, or somebody cut you off in traffic or something like that. You've probably done this before. You just kind of, you recirculate that thought in your brain and it's, it's a stressful thought and your brain doesn't know that it's not happening, happening in the moment. And so it's feeling the same. It's giving the same chemicals are being released in your body as it was in that moment. And you're just replaying this, right? So you're ruminating. You keep on thinking about this. You keep on thinking things that you could have done or should have done or would have done if you just had a moment, maybe making it like a bit of a remark or saying, oh, I wish I would have said this to that person at work or in this case, you know, over Zoom or whatever. Yeah, you just keep replaying those moments. And so what happens is that you go to bed and you're replaying these moments and it might be hard to get back to, uh, to fall asleep initially. But then, you know, if you wake up in the middle of the night for a variety of reasons, your mind might just go straight back to ruminating. If you're trying to sleep and you're really exhausted and it's in the middle of the night, it could be really, really hard to turn that off. One of the things that, a couple of things that you could try, one of the things is to allow yourself that rumination for about an hour. For instance, it might just be about processing a feeling, processing what you should do next, Say if it's uh, from a conversation that was a little bit difficult, what should the follow-up be? That gives you just enough time to process it and say, okay, well, these are the next steps. If there's no next step that you really have to worry about or stress about, do anything about, if it just happened, like the person cutting you off in traffic, then you just let it go. You thankful, you know, you thank your, your mind for giving you a little bit of insight into what's going on and with you. And you say, um, okay, well, I'm saying goodbye to that. I'm just releasing that, that feeling, that thought, that memory, because it isn't serving you. So release that. Another option is to also just practice a little bit of gratitude. 
for what you have to get your mind switched from that rumination to a state of gratitude. That's usually enough to sort of knock you off of that ruminating track. So I really like that. So that's something that could keep us awake. The other thing is overwhelm. And I, I think a lot of that us are, are feeling that sense of overwhelm right now. There are several things that we could do to reduce the overwhelm. One thing is to really, when we make a, a list of things that we want to accomplish in a day, only make, select top three things. Like my planner that I'm looking at right now, it says today's top three goals. And sometimes I only have one, one top goal. And the rest is just a to-do list. Like I really want this one goal to happen, but the rest is a to-do list. Narrow down what you want to accomplish in that day. So that way you don't feel like everything is an important goal to have reached this day. And then you go to bed feeling like you didn't accomplish anything and your mind's just racing. Oh my gosh, I've got so much to do. And you wake up early, like four o'clock in the morning because you think, oh my gosh, I've got to wake up. I hope I didn't oversleep my alarm clock because I've got so much to do. Narrow down that that big goal list. The next thing is, is that really take a good look at your to-do list. You can always create a, like a separate list, have a separate list that's just like a sort of like a back burner kind of list or a side project list, like a nice to have list. It would be nice to completely reorganize your kitchen, but is that something that is really important to do right now? You could just take it out of your mind, take it out of your mind, put it on paper and leave it aside. Another thing that you could do is just uh, start saying no more often. I have a bit of a problem. I say yes to a lot of things. You know, I always want to be helpful. And more recently, I've realized that if I do that too often to be helpful, I might, I might forget. I might forget the thing that I said that I would do. Then I'm just disappointing someone, right? It's better to set the expectation up front. Say yes to the things that you want to say yes to because they, there's something that are really important to you. Maybe it's a good friend that you want to support, but make sure it fits into your overall schedule. If you're overwhelmed, you're going to be cranky when you're saying yes to a friend or trying to help them, right? And you don't, you don't want that energy out there. Saying no more often, that's another strategy. The other thing that you might do is just have a little notebook next to your bedside table and just quickly write down, here's a fun trick. Just write down all the things that went well that day. doesn't have to do with your list. It could just be some of the highlights for the day. And then imagine what you'd love to see tomorrow be. And then jot that list down because then you're going to bed feeling grateful for the wonderful things that happen. You're saying, these are the wonderful things that I want to have happen tomorrow. And so you're going to bed with this really positive mindset. There is one other strategy, and I don't like it quite as much, is that if you have something that pops into your mind right before bed that you think you want to have happen, then you could jot down like a to-do list next to your bed. So that's another option. Some people might really like that. I kind of prefer thinking about, oh all these wonderful things happened today and I have this wonderful day tomorrow and I'm going to bed excited about my day. It can sound or feel trite sometimes to to think letting stresses go, but I'm going to tell you in, in times in my life that were so difficult that it felt like 
just incredible tension in my body and there's no real cl- uh, real clear path forward. I don't know how to resolve this. This is a heavy concern and it's the day-to-day. Like this isn't a temporary thing. This is, this is a heavier thing. One of the things, the, one of the, the practices that, has, that have helped me get through that is that at the end of the day, it sounds so simple to say letting it go because you can't let go something that you're going to face tomorrow, but letting go the sense that you are responsible, that you can't control everything that's happening in your life, but you can release at least for the moment to get yourself into that peaceful place, a peaceful place, closer to a peaceful place, to release the tension, to release the sadness, to release the pain, whatever it is that has really got a hold of you, but you have to kind of move through it and find some peace so you can get get some of that daily routine, getting your sleep in, you know, be able to rise again. So some of that for me is through was through simple meditation or prayer or just stretching and releasing any anything that just kind of helped me go from stress to peace and relaxation. Another thing that I've I did but didn't realize it was is impactful as it is until I learned from you you were recommending Epsom uh, baths, which is something I had heard relax your muscles. Um, and so I had been doing it, but I didn't realize it also detoxes your body. And so then once I learned that, I was like, well, I'm going to do that more often. And just drinking water, that's something that really helps me feel let, like when I feel dehydrated, I feel more stress. So just some of these things that you noticing that they make an impact and then incorporating them into your, into your day-to-day or into your routine before you go to sleep add up. It does make a difference. And it, it doesn't necessarily solve the challenges before you, but it helps you find restoration and healing that it, your day isn't just all stress, that there is that moment for restoration so that you can get that sleep that you need so you can wake up the next day and do what you need to do to move forward. And I think there's something really powerful about the positive, thinking to the positive, because it puts my body in a, it puts me and my mind and my body and my spirit in a place of, I can get through this. And there are some good things that are happening that are, that I, that I can kind of cling to or hold to like moments of peace. And so it's just kind of cultivating like a hope, peace, resilience type vibe, you know, cultivating that, creating space for that. Um, and I think, you know, right before we're trying to go to sleep, I think that is, that's when I would do that. And again, it, I didn't have a Jessica Green in my life at that time. So that was just something trying to kind of figure it out, looking at this in a, maybe a more of a big picture way. I can see that that was important. And I'm glad we're sharing that with people. Another thing that's been really helpful just in this moment of sharing, and this isn't maybe true for everybody, but something that's really helped me in the evening is taking magnesium and cortisol manager. And of course, you want to work with a nutritionist like Jessica or work with a naturopath or somebody who can assess you where you're at and what's right for you. But for me, so it was like, it's that nutritional aspect, it's that spiritual aspect, the emotional, you know, and then the physical restoration that really kind of helped get through some of those incredibly challenging times. And now it's just 
this is how I operate in life. This is how I care for myself. This is how I restore. I love that. You know, magnesium is so very helpful. Most of us are deficient in magnesium to certain degrees, different degrees. Taking a magnesium at night is really helpful for rest and relaxation and relaxes your muscles. And well, it has a lot of value. Magnesium has a lot of purposes. It also helps to improve energy overall too, when your magnesium levels are at an optimal level. You actually uh, reminded me that a B complex is really helpful. And we had it just for, you know, during the detox, it was one of the pieces that, that are really important to have in order to detox because your liver needs different uh, nutrients for that. Also, a complex, a B complex, is vitally important for managing just any stress in your body. And it could even be for, have a neurological impact as well. If you're really low in B vitamins, you could feel lethargic and anemic, and you might not handle stress as well, emotional stress or physical stress. And then in addition, your body won't detox as well. It's all tied together, right? Because if you're not detoxing well, those toxins build up in your body and they could create a lot of this, right? They could create a lot of stress on your body. They could even impact your sleep. If your liver is really working hard at two o'clock in the morning and you keep on waking up at two o'clock in the morning because of it, just a sign that, oh, you know, either you're, you're just too loaded up on toxins and it's working really hard for you, or it could be a sign that you're eating too late at night. It could be related to alcohol intake, a few different things. It really impacts sleep. And so B vitamins can be just really helpful as a general thing to take. Well, this segues really well into this next part of our conversation, which is what are some lifestyle changes or habits that we can adopt that help us integrate nutrition, reduce stress, and maintain good sleep? Trying to go to bed by 10 o'clock is really helpful because our bodies tend to detox mostly and, and get the most restorative sleep between 10 and 2. So if you could fall asleep by 10, that's great. Now, I'm not suggesting if you're going to bed at midnight right now, don't try to push yourself all at once but test it out. It's all about finding out what's good for you. So start going to bed 15 minutes earlier one day. Go to bed 15 more minutes earlier the next day and just keep on adding on to that and see how you start to feel. And that also helps us stay within our more normal rhythms, diurnal rhythms and cortisol levels, right? Our cortisol level really peaks early in the morning. And if you're sleeping through your peak, that's when you're the most energetic for the day. So you, you kind of lose out on that and you want to stay with that. So here's your peak in the morning and then it starts to taper off towards the end of the day until you know it's time for sleep. And as it's tapering off, your melatonin is going up. So that's where melatonin can come in handy as a little bit of a helper. And these in particular, like melatonin, for instance, and some herbs and adrenal support that are herb-related Think of those as a, those are kind of like tools. You might only take them for a few months and then taper off and see how you feel. But really they're there to help support you while you make some of these other lifestyle adjustments so that you could get on a more even track. So supplements are very helpful in that regard. There's that. The other thing is trying to finish up eating 
at least a couple of hours before bedtime. It might be you have a seven o'clock dinner or six o'clock dinner, and then try not to drink alcohol within two hours of sleep. Try not to eat anything within two hours of sleep. Now, if you're waking up, you could also be waking up from a bit of a sugar crash. You know, make sure you're getting enough. And it's not really a sugar, it's kind of a sugar crash, but like you're waking up hungry, right? Eating maybe a small snack with protein. Say if you had an early dinner, have a little small snack with protein at like eight o'clock if you, if you need something. Something with the nut butter is nice, for instance. It's, not, it's got a little fat, so it keeps you tied over. Maybe combine that with some apple. That could be a nice option to help you get through the night and sort of stabilize blood sugar levels if that's, a, if that's an issue. So eating. And then the other thing is too, making sure that you allow just digestion to happen in general between meals. So if you can, try to have at least a few hours in between meals. And if you have meat at a meal, just know that red meat in particular takes longer to digest. And so what you want to do is create an environment in your tummy where there's no fermenting going on. You want food to digest pretty well, you know, get through to some point in your digestive system before you add any more into your stomach. You don't want partially digested food in your stomach and then add in more. And that's when you start to get some weird issues coming up. And and you don't want bloating to wake you up in the middle of the night too, right? Because that could be a thing. So those are really helpful. We already talked about some of the gratitude, a little bit of a gratitude practice, right? Going to bed with a positive mindset. You mentioned Epsom salt baths, which are awesome. It's a great way to increase your magnesium as well. Detox and also just to, you're kind of warming up your body. And then when you get out of the bathtub, this is especially great if you're doing it in the evening. When you get out of the bath, your body is cooling down pretty quickly. And as it cools down, you start to feel tired. So that's a great way to get ready for bed. A few other lifestyle habits that affect sleep, your exposure to blue light. If you can find glasses, these aren't blue light blocking glasses. Um, These are a little bit older before that became more popular, but it's really uh, common to be able to find glasses that have a bit of a filter, like maybe a 40% filter or so on blue light. You could also change your screen, take away some of that blue light, like after a certain hour. So that's really helpful too. And I generally recommend trying to get away from the screen at least a couple of hours before bed. So then that time before bed could become something else, right? It could become something that's, oh, that's the time when I take a bath or, you know, I'm reading books to my children or I'm reading my own book. Maybe drinking some tea is really nice, some herbal tea. I like Tulsi rose or Tulsi, it's holy basil. It's a really good relaxation tea. You just get to bed. So you're in a state of relaxation and positive mindset when you go to sleep. Those are some lifestyle things that I really just, I really use myself and I recommend it for people that I work with too. And I've seen some really good results with that. And we didn't mention, you mentioned meditation briefly, but there There's definitely some wonderful meditation apps. Headspace is a great one. I know that there are others. Some are free. Headspace is a very small amount. But doing something like that, like a meditation before bed, it could even be one that's meant for just sleep. You know, so you turn on the meditation and you let that play while you're falling asleep and it's just a guided 
meditation. So that could be really relaxing as well. I want to say that I am doing it consistently. I wish I was doing it more consistently, but it's something that I, I'm going to say that I have to do now is really being very careful about watching the news. You know, because I can, there's usually in historically before this year, it has felt like maybe a good, not every single day, but just in some routine way, staying informed is pretty important. Now, everywhere you twist and turn, you've got some bad news coming your way, whether that's through social media, through connecting with just regular conversation. You know, it just feels so sensational and so heavy. Taking a break, being conscious about taking a break and definitely being really aware because a lot of those news shows come on in the evening. It could be that could conflict right with your wind down time, you know? So just kind of paying attention to that is something that I've had to really pay attention to my body. What's happening? Where is my stress sitting? As I listen to this, do I feel more equipped or do I feel awful? And is this absolutely necessary to hear this information? Can I consume essential information at a different time? Does it need to be right now? You know, just that kind of awareness is something that I am learning to navigate now. Oh, that is such an important point. Thank you so much for bringing that up. And that's something I've mentioned that before as well, just taking a break from news. And and this is really interesting. News is really designed to get watchers to watch more, right? Because they're networks and they make money off of ads. Something that they'll do is, and this is really intentional, they don't want you to have all the information at once and they want you to come back the next day. They might do things like having a running ticker at the bottom. It could be related to the pandemic. It could be related to who's popular in the elections or how states are swaying. You know, it just draws us in. We want to see what's happening, what's happening the next day. And our brains are really um, designed to want to predict things, but we can't predict the future because it hasn't happened. It kind of, it wastes our energy. It's like our energy is going towards the future that we can't predict. Not only that, something about bad news or negative news really captures people. You know, it doesn't seem like ratings go up based on good news. That's not what people really feel drawn to to watch in the news. Just mindfulness. It's not only how you feel in your body, but recognize that this their networks and they're they're designed to yeah, kind of keep you informed, but they're mostly designed so that you keep watching so that they get the higher ratings. It's a business. Just understand where they're coming from. Another option is just to read the newspaper if you want to. Wait till the Sunday newspaper. You could read it in the morning and kind of like get all the bad feelings out later in the day. But the great thing is that newspapers also have other kind of news in them too. It's not always negative news. There could be other things that are going on in the world that have nothing to do with the pandemic or or the elections. <laughs> That's a really good point. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners just kind of on this general conversation of nutrition and sleep and stress management? The floor is yours. I feel like we've talked a lot about sleep and getting prepared for sleep. One thing I'd really like to encourage people to do to really just reduce stress during the day is to make sure you wake with enough time in the morning to 
sort your own things out before you interact with others. So creating some sort of a morning routine, and I find this especially helpful for, and I'm not trying to omit men or or papas out there, but for women especially, I feel like we tend to be the caregivers in our house, plus then we're working. It's really hard to find time for ourselves. Also because we feel like we're of service. The majority of the time, it's really hard for us to feel like we can be selfish for a moment, but really we're a lot of this is talking about self-care. So one of the things that I'd love to suggest is just waking up a little early if you can. You know, maybe it's 15 minutes early. It doesn't have to be that much, but waking up early enough that you have just a little bit of time for yourself. Setting a morning routine that makes you feel just alive. Because like I said, I really want everyone to feel alive and vibrant. Maybe it's getting up and doing a morning meditation to set your intention for the day. Maybe it's doing some yoga or some stretches to move your body. Maybe it's reading a book that you've been wanting to read that's just helpful to you or listening to your favorite podcast, anything like that. It's really nice to just have that moment to say, oh, this is mine time and nobody else is awake yet. That's a key, at least for me. I've got a four-year-old. It's definitely a key to have the me time before she wakes up. So the last thing I think I would want to add with regard to our discussion here. That's such an important share. Those first few moments of time are not consuming news. It's really truly like a time to kind of set the intention for the day. It really can carry into the day and make a difference for how you feel. You know, kind of gets your energy and your mind and your emotions better place, at least speaking for myself, it's made a difference for sure. But if I wake up right away and the first thing I grab is like the phone, which is like full of stress, that's not great. Now I just took time out (laughs) to stress myself out before I get started for my day. It's so easy to do that. And social media is kind of like a little box of surprise. Like you're going to open it and you don't know if you're going to see something nice, something not nice. Like you're going to scroll through and have like just a bunch of emotions <laughs> that come up based on what you're reading and seeing. And it's just a mishmash of stuff. So sometimes we get into that habit, not expecting something bad, but that is what oftentimes happens depending on what's going on in the world and what you're, you're subs- subscribed to or following. So just... I think it's so important what you're sharing here. And if we can really, really, truly honor that time to do things that are really going to set us up, help us get the day going, that 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 carries forward and it can really get us into a good routine. So we are reducing stress and getting good sleep and whatnot. What would you say to those of us who are looking for continued support? Do you have upcoming programs or open coaching opportunities? What can we do? What, how do we stay connected with you? I do have, I have an upcoming program that is going to be four weeks and it's going to be a live group program. So that'll be fun. I find that when we're together uh, as a group, we kind of encourage each other to do things, to follow up. So I really love that. So it's four weeks. It's going to be the month of November. You know, don't worry about it. It's not a diet program specifically, we'll talk about food, but it's going to be really focused on ways to reduce stress and anxiety, to improve sleep, to improve your mood, 
these are really, you know, just foundational pieces. That program, you can find out all about it on my website. We'll set up a link for that in the show notes as well. I also work with people one-on-one. So if you're not comfortable with that, or if you have other health concerns that you need help with, I am more than happy to chat with you. You could book a free chat just through a link on my website, and we could put a direct link to the chat there and schedule a time to meet for 30 minutes, and that's free. And we can follow you on social media. You're on, I mean, I follow you on social media. And I think that's one of the great ways of staying connected and just getting little snippets of information that can kind of help you expand your awareness and feel informed and motivated and inspired to care for ourselves. What are your social media handles? And we'll put them in the show notes too. People can follow you there. um, And they'll go to your website to reach out to you that way. So social media, uh, both Facebook and Instagram, they're both Jessica Green Wellness. And then of course, you could also email me at info at jessicagreenwellness.com. And my website is jessicagreenwellness.com. So I try to keep it very specific and very, very easy, right? It's the same across the platforms. Thank you for such a great conversation today, Jessica, and for sharing how we can take steps towards a better sense of overall well-being. We appreciate you and we look forward to staying connected. Thank you, Amy. It was a pleasure to join today. Thank you. If you have a wellness topic that is important to you, let us know by visiting emergethriving.com forward slash podcast.